What's going on, guys? It's Travis here with the NPCs, and welcome to another weekly news roundup. It is December 9th, 2022, and tonight we will be talking about Game Awards 2022 winners and announcement roundup. I don't know why the picture didn't load up there, but it's my fault for not checking. Of course, we've also got uh, FTC suing Microsoft uh, to block the purchase of Activision Blizzard, and we'll also be talking about Callisto Protocol's bugginess blamed on, and I quote, a damn clerical error. That, of course, and more after we roll our intro in this week's news roundup. And of course, we are live. We are up and running. Welcome, everybody, to basically what I could consider the after party for the Game Awards, because I got to tell you right now, Kyle, I mean, you already know it. I know it. This conversation about Game Awards is going to eat up basically most of tonight's discussion, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like it was there was a lot revealed. There was a lot that there were uh, like. I think some of the winners in some of the categories, hell, even a couple of the nominations threw me off. Um, uh, some of the, I think some of the announcements though blew my mind, you know. Um, but that, that's mm-hmm. really where we're starting out. Like we got two parts here that we're going to be doing on the game awards, and we're going to start off with our first bit here. I guess we'll just uh, hop right into it, and that is about the winners roundup here. So thanks, of course, to Video Games Chronicle. We are using their roundup. Uh, uh, article that they put up here titled The Game Awards 2022 Full Winners List, Elden Ring and God of War Dominate, which is absolutely correct. And I got to say, Kyle, while you were watching this, did you also roll your eyes as much as I did when uh, God of War just kept on winning award after award after award? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I I know the scope of the new one and uh, just, you know, I've I've seen some gameplay videos and stuff and just... Between Elden Ring and God of War, uh, a lot of what was offered for for Game of the Year and for some of the other uh, areas, I they were definitely the 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 best picks for sure. I just so, there were just some of it with there was just some of it with me. It felt like it, it's uh, don't get me wrong. I've uh, I've actually watched a God of War Ragnarok playthrough, so I've seen the entire mm-hmm. game all the way from start to finish now, and I, I can agree with some of it. I don't know. It just feels like when you always have those blockbuster titles, it's just like man, it's never going to end with the awards that come out for it. Like, um, you know, I'll count here through the list right now. Let's see, we got so let, let's just go through all the winners list here, and we can kind of talk about some of our surprises as we go. So. Uh, starting off here, I'm going to start from the bottom up, Kyle. We'll save Game of the Year. Yeah, that's probably the best way to go, yeah. Yeah, so we've got Player's Voice. Uh, So this is the one where uh, players around the world could sign into the Game Awards and vote on their choice for uh, their game, I guess, their Game of the Year. And uh, Player's Voice Award went to Genshin Impact. Uh, Best Esport Event went to the 2022 League of Legends World Championship. By the way, Kyle, stop me wherever if you want to talk about any of these awards, too. Um, you know, honestly, League of Legends, uh, just as a real quick point, not a big surprise. I mean, they had the partnership with uh, Buffalo Wild Wings where you could actually get uh, League of Legends tokens um, oh, yeah, with did, the purchase of a box. Oh, yeah. And they actually um, they broadcast the entire event. So, um, I, I mean, they, they u- they're usually pretty consistent every year of hitting this. But, I mean, just the extra partnership couldn't have you know, not benefited them. I mean, it, it definitely had to have helped. So, Oh, I, I bet it did. And then I guess also, even though it hasn't happened just yet, I believe we're about one or two weeks away from the Microsoft Riot Games partnership where all of that, 
like all of their content, League of Legends, Valorant and stuff is going to unlock uh, for Game Pass members. So a lot yeah, of like the agents that's, that. that's supposed to be, I think, either next week or the week after. I Yeah, it's happening really soon because I just got a message, I think, on Xbox about um, all the characters being unlocked. Yeah, and so, I, I only got reminded of it because... Uh, there maybe had, that's what it was. I only got reminded of it because of one of the Game Pass advertisements that went on during the Game Awards. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, it was like, okay, yeah, that's right. Uh, best esports coach is uh, Matthias Bazooka uh, Tarasconi, who is uh, the coach for Loud, which is a Valorant team. Uh, best esports team is Loud from Valorant. Uh, best esports athlete is Jacob Ye uh, Whitaker, who's uh, on Cloud9 and mains Valorant. Best esports game, Valorant. She's uh, walking away with a lot of titles here, especially right off the bat. Yeah. Um, innovation and accessibility, God of War Ragnarok. Uh, best adaptation, Arcane League of Legends, uh, which is a crossover from uh, Fortiche, Riot Games, and Netflix. Content creator of the year is Ludwig. Most anticipated game, and I, honestly, I think I saw this one already coming too, was The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Now, what else was in that? Yeah. Mo- there were some other things that actually kind of surprised me that, you know, Legend of Zelda is always a big one no matter what. But what else was in the most anticipated category, though? Um, Let me see if I can find another list. That's one thing we forgot to pull up is the uh, list of actual nominees. Um. Well, you know what? We can do... Let's see. I'll just go right to the Game Awards website here. Uh, so, most anticipated games. Uh, Final Fantasy 16, Hogwarts Legacy, Resident Evil 4, which obviously is the remaster, uh, Starfield, and then Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I, With as big of a presence as Final Fantasy 16 had at the Game Awards, uh, I guess it's a little bit of a surprise not to see that one because I don't think we saw any, they, like we saw no trailers, no discussion, nothing about Legend of Zelda at all. Other than they this. had a lot of fanfare every time there was Final Fantasy announced. So, oh yeah, there really was. Um, so I'm like, I'm a little surprised, I guess, at you know that not being the case. But don't get me wrong, uh, Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom, you know, a direct sequel to Breath of the Wild is probably going to be a huge hit in its own right anyway given the legend of zelda game so i guess maybe that one makes the most sense then i i don't know uh Mm -hmm. best multiplayer game again another surprise splatoon 3 and that one in uh multiplayer let's see where are you at here that went up against modern warfare 2 multiverses overwatch 2 and teenage mutant ninja turtles shredder's revenge which for me i personally would have voted shredder's revenge because i like as soon as that dropped that was a good fun multiplayer game and i think it has a lot of replayability to it given all mm-hmm. the different challenges and such but maybe not as much as a standard multiplayer game like you know or multiplayer shooter type game like three of the titles that are on this list anyway yeah and you know honestly maybe call of duty might have had a little bit better of a uh, chance of being the uh multiplayer game of the year uh had they launched the newer modes uh, sooner, uh, such as the third-person mode and the upcoming raid mode. Um, I think it could have had more success in that area. Overwatch, I mean, they just didn't hit the mark on release, unfortunately, true. and I think that really hurt them. No, that's very true. I agree that like, because of all the backlash with things that Overwatch 2 did suffer, and I guess Activision Blizzard itself suffered given all of the things going on since uh, the summer of last year, 
it's it's kind of one of those things that's been hit or miss lately with the community. So I, I guess, you know, it's not necessarily a surprise. I mean, hell, even one of the surprising parts I thought, though, too, going back to the uh, um, eSports event and such is that there was no mention of Overwatch League uh, finals in there at all. Yeah. And that's, I think, I think they even had it last year, but I didn't see anything for it this year. So I'm a little shocked that that wasn't there in the first place either. Right. Uh, but carrying on, of course, we've got Best Sports Racing goes to uh, Gran Turismo 7, and that was against uh, one other racing title, F1 2022. And then um, we had FIFA 23, NBA 2K23, uh, and then Ollie Ollie World, uh, which Ollie Ollie World is not one I played. Is that one you've checked out, Kyle? Um, I haven't actually checked out um, World. Um, now, I know it's a little bit different than some of the previous titles, um kind of changed the art direction and everything so me i don't know that that one i i didn't really necessarily place it in best sports and maybe indie personally um but i don't know i don't think it really stood much of a chance going up against titles like gran turismo and f1 but i i'm personally gr glad that gran turismo one over the other titles if anything it would have been f1 for me because fifa and nba are just sports games that are the same thing every year personally <laughs> they really are <laughs> they really are and, and extra ways to like monetize a lot of that stuff uh we've got yeah. in the best sim and strategy category mario uh mario plus rabbit sparks of hope uh that one for sparks of let's see sparks of hope went up against uh, Dune, Spice Wars, Total War, Warhammer Three, Two Point Campus, and Victoria Three, which Victoria Three I never even had heard of up until this point, and I think I, I don't know, maybe Mario and Rabbids is the actual best choice out of all that anyway. Then I mean, Two Point you Campus maybe a close second. It it that was a really tough category, honestly. I I felt like I'm personally glad that Mario won it. Um, the the Mario and Rabbit series, um, as far as the the uh, I guess XCOM style gameplay, the, the the strategy gameplay, it's very underrated, and it really deserved it in my opinion. Uh, Dune Spice Wars, I mean, it it's on Game Pass. Um, I guess certain antiviruses actually view it as a virus, so there is something wow. <laughs> there yeah it, it provides feedback because it's still technically early access oh okay uh, that makes yeah. sense yeah um and and yeah antivirus doesn't like that apparently go figure but yeah i mean I, up against total war and yeah that I, i'm really happy that that mario won it it, it deserved it deserved the win it, and going up against Big big juggernauts. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's a very interesting one to see for sure. Uh, carrying on, best family, and this one actually caught me out of le like out of left field just because of it itself. And it was Kirby and the Forgotten Land because you not only had that on the list, but you had Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga, which, by the way, just dropped on Game Pass. Go and download it. It's plenty of fun, although the voice acting does throw Massive. me off. Um, we have. Oh, you can earn the old old voices. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I want is the grunt and groans and the huh. You know, that type of stuff. Uh, but we yeah. have, uh, yeah, besides Lego Star Wars, we had Mario and Rabbids, Sparks of Hope, Nintendo Switch Sports, and Splatoon 3. I mean, you know, four out of the five games on here were Nintendo properties anyway. But um, I actually kind of had my bets on 
uh, either Mario Rabbids, Sparks of Hope, or Nintendo Switch Sports. Especially because, you know, still spending quite a bit of time at home and being able to play like stuff like Nintendo Switch Sports, for example, given it's the successor to Wii Sports. Uh, I kind of expected that to be a really big contender in all this, but Kirby and the Forgotten Land is, you know, it's a pretty, pretty well thought out, well organized, and very playable game. So I just, I guess, underrated yeah. series, totally, Kirby totally deserved is. it. Kirby yeah, always and is. This, this is the first time Kirby's ever won an award of any sort like this. So I mean, kind of, kind of cool for a Kirby game. Um. But beyond that, I mean, it it was just such a different game than what they've they've been providing here recently. And I mean, honestly, going up against Lego Skywalker that was that was a task in and of itself because Skywalker Saga it's a massive game. Each of the the um, movies is a game in and of itself. But beyond that, they're all open world well, open world in particular areas. So I mean, the the scope of the the, the game is just massive in, in comparison to some of the other things. So, yeah, <laughs> it really is. Um, it really is. I just like you said earlier, though, Kirby is truly like one of those underrated series, and I kind of feel like Kirby at least is starting to kind of get his, um, you know, his he's getting his time in the light. You know, I think mm-hmm. the um, I think the most recent Kirby games outside of this one, outside of the Forgotten Land, but it was uh um what was the yarn based one like um on the Wii and the it came out on the Wii first and then it had a switch release there too. But oh you know exactly which one I'm shoot. talking about though. Yeah, yeah. Those I think were kind of good next phases for things like Kirby because of like, you know, we had Yoshi's Woolly World, which was definitely an interesting mm-hmm. interesting approach to that. Um, you know, texture on different things like texture when it comes to like what you see in games, and then Kirby doing stuff like that, bringing people back in. It's like, oh, this is such a unique way to create characters, and then doing um, going back to the standard platform style of Kirby with the Forgotten Land and making it work the way it did. Although, I will say a lot of the memes though about Kirby being the throat goat, unfortunately, just kind of became overkill on Twitter and TikTok. So. I had to make mention of it. It's out there, and the throat goat won. So, congrats to him for that. Um, let's move on, though, before I make anything else here that might get us uh, uh, hit here on YouTube. But uh, we had best fighting game up next, and surprisingly, Multiverses is the one that that ended up taking off on it. But I guess in this year alone, there really wasn't much in the fighting space. We had DNF Duel, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, All Star Battle R, King of Fighters, fifteen, which is King of Fighters is a big one in and of itself. And then Sifu. Uh, what's Sifu, your take? I, what's your take I honestly thought it would have been Sifu. Same um, here. Just Same because, here. yeah, the, the versatility of the game, the fact that they've supported it, um, all the, the uh, support that the game has had has been free, unlike Multiverse, where it is a pay uh, per character, per costume type system. Yeah. Um, I... Yeah, and I mean, in comparison to, like, even DNF Duel or JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, granted, JoJo is more of an anime game, but it plays uh, more similar, I I feel like, to, like, a Street Fighter game, like King of Fighters. Um, But uh, King of Fighters, I honestly feel like, is something it might need a little bit more life breathed into the series. Um, 
Yeah, I'm just surprised it wasn't seafood. Just with the innovation of that game. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. The, I, just everything about it was so unique. The the way they did it, it was like playing a John Wick fight scene. Not not the uh, gunfighting, just the hand to hand combat stuff, or maybe even a Matrix thing, just because of the way it worked. But I don't know. I uh, that one kind of shocked me. Yeah, it really did for me as well too. But maybe I, I guess I just don't really understand. Like I was, I had an invite to the multiverses beta. It's something I haven't gone to download because I know it is free to play. Um, mm-hmm. But I haven't gone to download it yet because I guess that's not my style in in fighting games. You know, I, I like some Smash here and there, but um, right. I guess I don't know. Maybe we just need some PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale to come back again. You know. We'll just keep an eye out. See, for that maybe next I've time. always been more of a Street Fighter, like oh yes, uh, Soul Calibur style uh, fighting game. So, and, and Seafood just hit the spot um, as far as games go because the the story was just really cool. Uh, the gameplay was really unique. Um, yeah, and I'm just surprised it it got bit out by a free to play. Um, that, that you have to pay for characters. Yeah, I. that's why it really does throw me off, especially. But uh, needless to say, it must have just been popular enough amongst the fans there to actually do voting on it. And sure enough, that's where mm-hmm. we ended up getting at. So um, anyway, let's carry on, though. Next up is best role playing, and that end up, ended up going to Elden Ring uh, versus, of course, Live Alive. Uh, or yeah, Live Alive, uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Triangle Strategy, and Xenoblade Chronicles Three. Um, I mean, Elden Ring, yeah. I guess, is an RPG in in some ways. I don't know. The Soulsborne games always kind of throw me off as being, you know, whether they could be considered an RPG or not. Like, is it an, is it really an RPG though? Does it really fit the the build the narrative of an RPG? You know, you have to forgive me. I've only played a, some of like the Dark Souls series, it- but. I mean, it it does. You you do level up your character, you level up your weapons, and you you find newer, stronger weapons as you go that you True. can level up okay. as well. Um, I don't know. I, there were some good offerings in here. Uh, Xenoblade, of course, has its huge following. Triangle Strategy and Live Alive, I absolutely loved Live Alive. Really cool, unique strategy or uh, RPG that. Uh, was, I believe, originally released on the Super NES. Um, and this is the first time it's been to the United States. But as far as, like, RPG style, it has, like, eight different stories that you play. So I... Almost Octopath Traveler, but they take place at different points in time. So mm-hmm. it, it, it it's almost like Octopath Traveler meets uh, Chrono Trigger, in, in a sense. But... Um, and... Arceus, that that was a great game launched at the beginning of the year. Honestly, probably better than uh, Scarlet and Violet as far as, you know, polish. But yeah, yeah. And then Triangle Strategy. If anyone ever liked a uh, Final Fantasy War of the Lions or uh, Tactics Advanced or A2, uh, it's definitely worth the pickup. Great story. but I don't think any of them could have stood to, to Elden Ring's fan base. Hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Just just the amount of sales it's had alone. <laughs> well, let's jump into the next category then, and this one probably won't be a surprise to your best action adventure game. 
Uh, God of War Ragnarok was the winner in this one, but it was up against actually some pretty heavy hitters. A Plague Tale Requiem, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, of all things, and Tunic as well. Um, a pretty big, big clustering of games here. So this one must have been a very tough vote for fans, though, to actually sit down and be like, well, what? which one out of all of these makes the most sense? Because all of these are really good games. Um, mm-hmm. But man, God of War Ragnarok's story just really... and its gameplay just sucks people in like mad yeah i i don't know i i guess it does fit the adventure uh bill but yeah, i, I just will. don't see stray being as much as a heavy hitter <laughs> as some of the other ones I think, on the list i i think trust me when i say like that it's a great stray, idea yeah well like seeing stray in some of these categories because there there will be a couple others that it comes up in that it's like wait what and, and i did the same thing though too but as you think more about it, it's like, okay, well, that does kind of fit in, but maybe it's just everybody's obsession with being able to play as a cat and like you have a button like press X to meow or something like that. You know, it's like, okay, the internet's gone mad now. Here we are. You know, it's like giving people the option to name a spaceship or a uh, uh, a, uh, a boat or a piece of uh, equipment that belongs to a local government or something like that. You know, we get things like Bodie McBoatface. It's like Stray is one of those things for those type of people who get overly latched on to stuff. And it's like, obviously, yeah. that might be one of those that gets included. Needless to say, again, Tunic, um, I yeah. thought yeah. that was a heavy contender, especially with the style of gameplay. It's almost like a Zelda meets Souls-like with the difficulty, but it is. Um, I think it more... I never thought of that. Yeah, it, I it definitely harkens back to more of like classic game difficulty, mm-hmm. especially with the fact that you have to find the uh, the bits of the manual almost like they're they're like manuscript from a lost age, and some of them have hints and stuff in it, um, and they tell you more abilities and whatnot. I thought that was a really unique uh, aspect of the game, really really cool. But um, once again, it, it's it's like nothing could really stand to to God of War, Horizon, and Plague Tale in this one, in in my mind. Yeah, no kidding. Um, let's move on here because I think this next category has a little bit of controversy behind it, more so of exactly who the winner was. Because I, I'm like Kyle, you even made a comment to me as the as the Game Awards were going on and we're messaging each other back and forth. Uh, best action mm-hmm. game went to Bayonetta three. And that was against Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Neon White, Sifu, and TMNT Shredder's Revenge. And it seemed like a lot of the reaction for Bayonetta 3, especially when it came up in other categories, was very tempered, was very like, was very like, you know, you've got like the, the 20 people in the audience who are doing their clapping there, you know, versus some of these other titles where it's like the whole crowd erupts, you know, with joy to see their game on the or this yeah. game on the list. But it's like, like, do you feel that this hit the right spot for the for the category like you know i mean it is an action game don't get me wrong but like for it to win though you know it it's mired in a bit of controversy anyway with with voice actor chaos and all the people who are going back and forth with uh you know uh with that realm of of uh, problems well and, and in, in tandem delays with how long it, yeah, yeah with delays and how long it took bayonetta 3 to even show up in the first place uh, it doesn't mean that that's going to make a bad game. You know, every game can be mired in controversy and, you know, it'd still end up being a good experience. But, I, I mean, especially against something like, you know, again, Sifu, for example, is another one. Um, Call Neon of Duty had really cool, unique gameplay using yes, the card did. system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Call of Duty, it's Call of Duty. I mean, it, it fits the category just it's fine. Action-y. But it's, it's yeah. yeah, it's exactly. It's like, it's like, 
a Fast and the Furious movie. You know, you're going to see it come out. You know exactly what you're going to get when you hop into it. So well, and I know for both of us, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was it. It, it set off that that bit of excitement that both of us had as as children playing a turtles game like that that little amount of glee you know just mowing through a level of uh foot soldiers it it was awesome Mm -hmm. you know and i i'm certain that it had to have been a big nostalgia point for many gamers like us yeah and i think what that may have been also its problem too is that it was definitely out there where more players could ex- like access it and get to it, like players who hadn't considered playing a TMNT game before. But mm-hmm. it definitely was targeted at our generation. I feel like it was definitely targeted at us. Like I, like between all of us, like between you, myself, and Preston, for example, you know, we talked about it. I talked about it with people at work, um, mm-hmm. you know, who were within the same age range as us. But like for my kids, for example, they. You know, they made no mention of the game whatsoever. They didn't make any comment about it coming out. They didn't say anything else additional about it. So compared to, you know, that generation, it's just it's one of those things. It seems like it was really targeted at us. I I had customers that at my job that know I'm a gamer and they'd come in and I didn't even know they, they played games and they would come in and they'd be like, did you hear about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game? It's like, wait. You're excited about this? You play video games? And it's like, well, you know, oh, you're we're the same age, so you probably watched it when I was a kid, too, because you were a kid then, so I guess that makes sense. It's very nostalgia, you know, yeah. they want they yeah. want their kids to experience that same style of of gameplay and excitement that we got from the Super NES and Genesis, you know, with uh Ninja Turtles, so I don't know, just so much on on this category, but I I don't know, just be beyond that. The the controversy behind Bayonetta, I don't know, made it almost like eh, should it should it have won? Uh did it did it really perform as well as we think? I I know I didn't pick it up uh just because I had a whole fiasco of getting my copies of 1 and 2 and they never showed up from Amazon, so uh yeah. Well, uh, even with that said, of course, I mean, it, it won. I mean, we can't go back in time and change anything, yeah. so it's there. But let's move on uh, to the best VR AR category, and winner in that one, and you have to forgive me, I never actually saw this one, was Moss Book 2, and that went up against After the Fall, Among Us VR, Bone Lab, and Red Matter 2, and I guess, like, I, it's one game that's actually been recommended to me was Bone Lab, and based on the level of popularity I see for that title and even some stuff I've seen for like Among Us VR as well. It's a little bit of a surprise not to see one of those two, but that's why you have to forgive me is that even with the VR spaces that I, I had not heard of Moss Book 2, maybe I need to pay more attention to VR, uh, but that was the the winner in it all. So, you know. Yeah, I, I have the first one for PSVR. I honestly haven't played it. I picked it up as a physical copy at one point and just never got around to playing it, so... I mean, good for them. I, I, I knew it was coming out, um, and I guess it is a pretty popular VR game. Uh, at least the first one was. Um, so obviously the second one has been. But yeah, I don't know. I've heard a lot of really good things about Bone Lab, so that one's quite surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, next category is Best Community Support, um, and the winner in that one was Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, went up against Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Fortnite, and No Man's Sky. 
Um, that one was also that one was a sponsored by Discord one. So the community support category uh, described here as recognizing a game for outstanding com- uh, community support, transparency, and responsiveness, inclusive of social media activity and game updates and patches. So Final Fantasy fourteen has a pretty big following. There are a lot of people who actually picked up and left World of Warcraft to go to Final Fantasy fourteen, and I hear and that it- their environment is actually pretty well handled and pretty well taken care of, especially when big updates come out. So that's yeah, it's just good blown up in the last year. I know. It I has. remember what was it? Uh, was it at the beginning of the year when they were actually having shortages of new passes available to play the game, and people were waiting uh, sometimes up to twelve to fourteen hours in queue just to play the game? Yeah, it was that, and then uh, uh, Amazon Games New World uh, also was yeah, that that's way last right. year too. But definitely with this one, uh, with Final Fantasy XIV beginning of this year, you're right. Yeah, there was a big exodus of stuff with World of Warcraft because it wasn't just the, again, the ongoing issues with Activision Blizzard and the lawsuits and, mm-hmm. and such, but there was something else that had happened with World of Warcraft that drove a lot of those players away, and they ended up going to Final Fantasy XIV, and I think that's what ended up leading to that uh, Q problem. And New World had caused all that fear with uh, killing graphics cards. That's right. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Yeah, and that I think that caused a little bit of an exodus from uh, the the players that that had left other servers to go to New World, and they they ended up joining Final Fantasy. But um, I I can't necessarily disagree with that. No. Um, they've they've been really supportive of you know making sure to to get players access. I mean, they they were very prompt uh, and of getting players access when they were having the shortages on server time and, you know, opening up servers and getting more passes available to, to sell um, to players. So, so good on them for continuing the support. Yeah, absolutely. Good on them. Might be one that we have to go and sync time into now, Kyle. I'd I'd be willing to, I played, I think, what was the previous 11? Uh, Yeah. I played a, 11 for like four months and it was a blast so i'd be down yeah might have to consider doing that um but we carry on of course to best mobile game category and that went to newcomer marvel snap um marvel snap of course being a card-based game uh for mobile devices of course and uh man the advertisements on those games just seem to be everywhere still nowadays like i see more of it than i do for some of these other titles anyway like for example uh in the other uh games that were nominated diablo get on here i know exactly the other ones nominated (laughs) included diablo immortal apex legends mobile genshin impact and tower of fantasy but yeah diablo immortal that one again another one mired in controversy this year and even prior mm-hmm. to and don't get me wrong like i had fun with the time that i put into it and played it you know we we did a little bit of multiplayer you and i playing it together but mm-hmm. even in the long run for it though is that i don't have it on my phone anymore like i don't have it on my computer anymore either it was it was okay i played a little bit i got through it and i think even you and i like jumped over to diablo 3 and played that instead of playing immortal <laughs> we did and we so, did. yeah, so we had that. Um, Genshin Impact, not a surprise to see on the list. That is a constantly popular uh, mobile game no matter what. And the fact, though, that it's mm-hmm. cross-progression between mobile and PC is great. Um, Diablo Immortal, I know, is the same way. Apex Legends Mobile dropped this year as well. That was a great title. I actually I actually enjoyed playing Apex Legends Mobile, and I will admit, I did better in Apex Legends Mobile than I did on Apex Legends on my PC. So, 
take that as you will. <laughs> really? You know, yeah, I actually did a lot better there. But interesting. Yeah. Uh, on to the next category, though. We had best indie title, and that went to Kitty Cat Simulator Stray, uh, up against Cult of the Lamb, Neon mad. White, Sifu, and Tunic. Yeah, I really was. I was really, really, really hoping for Cult of the Lamb because that one was a good one. But you know, one game I was actually surprised mm-hmm. to not see on here. What's that? Core Heaper. Yeah, because yeah. Core Keeper. Well, one, no, well, Core Keeper is actually. It one. came out last year. Did it? Because we were playing it. I'm pretty sure it did. Okay, maybe it did, but well, okay. Now I got to go look. Let me see here. Core. Keeper. Yeah, I think it came out last year. Let me take a look here and see. Right at the end of the year, if I'm not mistaken. No, but re- that that's... no released March 8th of this year. Oh, then I am surprised that's not on here because that it, one's it, won quite a few indie huge awards. Support. Yeah. Yeah, and just yeah, it, it's had lots of players, lots of uh, lots of talk about it. I guess. In certain circles, but yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't feel like Stray belonged in this category personally, especially when you put it in like game of the year um, material. I yeah. I don't know. It, games like Cult of the Lamb, Sifu, and Tunic. Um, well, even Neon White, they would have had a better better chance of going up against one another. And I feel like they didn't get enough of the the... I don't know, the fanfare that they deserved. Uh, Cult of the Lamb was just a blast. It had a huge, huge um, I, community that was playing it, especially at launch uh, on Twitch, because they had the, the uh, you could get Twitch followers um, in your, your cult and everything. It, it was kind of fun. But beyond that, I mean, there was a lot of buzz about it um, at launch. Mm-hmm. Um Sifu, same thing. They they keep adding stuff to that game, and it's it just gets cooler and cooler. Yeah, it really does. Uh, and like I said, Tunic indie title. Uh, I mean, through and through. Yeah. The, the the whole finding the bits of the manual is just so so innovative. Oh yeah. Uh, moving on to the next category, best ongoing. Uh, so uh, awarded to a game for outstanding development of ongoing content that evolves the player experience over time, and the winner in that one was Final Fantasy fourteen which went up against Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Fortnite, and Genshin Impact. And I got to say, like, it was in the news this week, but it's not in our topics for this week, is that Destiny 2 actually, uh, uh, Bungie is trying to work through some problems right now with Destiny 2 as it relates to uh, player burnout right now. That there are some problems with players right now, I guess, just feeling too much, um, not necessarily of a grind, but that mm-hmm. they're not finding much enjoyment in playing the game anymore because it's just becoming overly repetitive. And I mean, uh, D- Destiny has been out for, oh, what now? Not, yeah, it's not even been a full decade yet. I think it's been like maybe six or seven years now. But needless to say, it's not to say that what they've been doing is a problem. It's just that in this event to create this like live world, this live universe, it's become kind of a slog for some players and mm-hmm. they're still trying to fight the burnout. So it's a little interesting, you know, I guess maybe to see it on this list, but maybe not so much. What's even more interesting is Fortnite actually um uh 
not winning here in this category either. Don't get me wrong about Final Fantasy XIV, but the fact that Fortnite has been really consistent in its game quality, in its events, in its tie-ins, you know, the whole concept and thought of the metaverse where who knew we could get Obi-Wan Kenobi fighting Goku Master and, Chief. and Master Chief and then now Doom Guy, Doom Guy and Geralt. Um, it's it's just crazy. You know, it's like yeah, they've mean, made all these strides and they've made all these licensing deals that... It's oh, the first-person shooter of Smash Brothers games, really and truly, when you look third at it person. in that aspect. It's a third-person. Third-person, oh, yeah, third-person, third excuse yeah. me, yeah. But, I mean, it's got anime, it's got video games, it's got, you know... Yeah, I, I want to say there's characters from live-action TV shows in there, yeah. wrestling. Yeah, and, um, there's even, and it's even also that it uh, how much it actually ties into current trends going on as well. Like, a lot of stuff you see mm -hmm. in there, too, like like emotes and music and other sound effects and such in there actually tie into the current lexicon, given, like, what's popular on things like TikTok or Snapchat or Instagram or all these other, like, quick, easy... Or even what movie com or is coming out that or week. movie, yeah. Yeah. So, needless to say, it's not necessarily that it's a bad thing that it it you know it didn't win, but it's definitely probably a very close second into the best ongoing part. But that's just definitely a strong category, that. excluding Destiny. I I think. Mm -hmm. Um, next category here, I actually have a struggle with this one because none of these games you have to give me these don't really fit into the games that I would go and reach out to play myself <laughs> and that's the games for impact category and it's not to say that it's games that I would avoid or skip over or anything um my it's, I it's I made the joke um to someone uh talk it was days before for uh the game awards the, the games for impact category is like the, the games you're going to find on Humble Bundle in a year. <laughs> it it kind of is. Like, you're not wrong. It kind of is. And it is. It's for a thought-provoking game with a pro-social meaning or message. And it's one of those things, like, again, you got to forgive me. Like, my ADHD sometimes just doesn't let me go pick up something like this. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's bore to get into the quick, repetitive type stuff. Like, unfortunately, thanks to Kyle here, I now have a problem with playing Vampire Survivors. And now that it's on my phone... Uh, now that they've released it for mobile and it's on iOS, uh, I'm not getting anything else done anymore. I, I, I'm not going to have anything else. The fact that I can pause the game now and go in to do this, and as soon as we're done doing the news, I'm going to hop back into this on my phone, says I have a problem. <laughs> so something like this isn't going to work out right. But anyway, anyway, uh, winner in this category was As Dusk Falls, but was up against a memoir blue, Citizen Sleeper, uh, Endling, Extinction is Forever, Hindsight, and I Was a Teenage uh, Exocolonist. Yeah, Exocolonist. I almost said something about a colon in there instead but that's that's no i'm good that probably was not a, <laughs> the only thing yeah yeah uh but i it's just tough for me to speak to anything there in that um category though but now uh moving yeah, on yeah honestly i i remember get hearing about as dusk falls and i was like this game sounds boring <laughs> and not to be you know a, a debbie downer or anything but i i'm just not a fan of those style games so I, I i don't know this category necessarily wasn't i think for us but there were a, a couple of them that i think are on my my wish list like citizen mm -hmm. sleeper and, and endling um so i mean congrats to um interior studios i guess but um yeah not really games for us yeah um Next category here was best performance, uh, and it went to Christopher Judge, the voice of Kratos in God of War Ragnarok, and of course the previous God of War title. Uh, he was up against uh, Ashley Birch, who played um, 
uh, Aloy in Horizon Forbidden West. We had uh, Charlotte McBurney in A Plague Tale Requiem. We had Man Engage in Immortality. And then we had Sonny Suljic in God of War Ragnarok, who voiced um, uh, the boy. Uh, boy. Boy. Uh, but let's let's talk about this a little bit here. Um, part of me kind of felt like, kind of like, just, oh, okay, well, this is going to happen here. Uh, but what really stole the show, actually, was the very start of it. Like, this was actually the first award they gave out at the beginning of the event. And mm-hmm. uh, Christopher Judge went up there and gave, like, what, a five, six-minute-long speech, like, actually, like, thanking all the people and talking about the stuff. And, like, he he just went on and on. And I had to go back and re-listen to what he was doing and saying there. And he was like, you know, forever grateful for everything that had been done and all the people he was thanking and such. But, mm-hmm. but like he like he kind of stole the show in his own way by being not only the first award, but for as long as he went on, like just like with as stunned as he was and, you know, giving the speech that he was giving too. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I felt like he, he really spoke from his heart, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. It was kind of funny because the he walks up and he, they hand him the award and he looks down at it and right into the mic goes shit (laughs) (laughs) it was just totally blown away you know between you know getting the award from al pacino that's what i was just about to say um, i was just about to talk about yeah getting the award in general he he was just in shock and awe and i i think he personally may have thought uh sunny was gonna get it yeah because it was definitely like it's not to say anything bad about like his character um but like yeah sunny like itself though like really kind of had to take on a lot especially um Mm -hmm. in god of war ragnarok within the story itself though too there was definitely more happening there for him uh but and he does make mention of him in in his thank you you know he's like you know you're you're the future of this you know you're you did an awesome job and yeah he's so i mean he he really called him out um in in his thank you Mm -hmm. absolutely uh, but needless to say, you know, my heart kind of had it there a little bit that maybe Ashley Birch would have gotten it because, um, yeah. you know, I, I go back to way before she even did any voice acting in video games. You know, hey, Ash, what you playing? Um, if you remember <laughs> any of those videos. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's I hate to say old Internet, but that is for a lot of people. Uh, but even so, um, yeah, very good speech, though, if you if anybody hasn't had the chance to go back and listen to it, go and do so. Um, we got to get through here because we've already spent for like almost 45 minutes just on awards here. Uh, Holy cow. <laughs> I'm just going to bust through these really quick. So we got best audio design yeah. went to God of War Ragnarok up against Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Elden Ring, Gran Turismo 7, and Horizon Forbidden West. Best score in music also went to God of War Ragnarok uh, against Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, Metal Hellsinger. That one kind of bummed me out. And Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Uh, we had... Um, Best Art Direction went to Elden Ring, up against God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Scorn, of all things, and Stray. Uh, best, best Category. Yeah. Best Narrative uh, also went to God of War Ragnarok, up against Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, Horizon Forbidden West, and Immortality. Another strong one. Uh, best Game Direction went to Elden Ring, up against God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality, and Stray. And last but not least, the Game of the Year Award, which... Before we talk about this, I got to say that music, though, the actual orchestra they're playing, uh, the the um, the tr- the the cinematics and such for the uh, Game of the Year award uh, before it was actually stated, um, like 
Did you see the the uh, the flautist that was there? That was just yeah. Oh really yeah, he was going like nuts jamming. The place he was, dude. Like he was my hero. Like if you want any inspiration, like he was so into it. Like the number of times the camera focused on him, it was just so full of energy and just like if you actually watched him after he went, he looked back at the uh, the drummer that was behind him and then uh, the uh, the uh, guitarist as well too and you know was just applauding them like by turning around and such. So just a lot of positive energy and like. Yeah, uh, I really want that that audio though. I need to find some place to download it. But winner of, of course for all the Orthodox rabbis, um, oh, fucking and Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Uh, yeah, that was. God, I, I tuned out before that. <laughs> all happened, the memes yeah. too. Oh man. So uh, yeah, so game of the year went to Elden Ring. And was up against Plague Tale Requiem, God of War, Ragnarok, Horizon, Forbidden West, Stray, of all things, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. So that ends the awards uh, and winners for um, uh, for uh, uh, Game Awards 2022. And yeah... Definitely a lot of big things there in it. And if you guys missed any of it, obviously, of course, the live stream uh, has been made into a VOD and is available on just about any gaming site out there. Uh, IGN, uh, Kotaku, GameSpot, or even on the official Game Awards YouTube channel. So if you haven't checked it out, go and check it out for all the stuff that you've missed. Now, we've eaten up a lot of time here. And so, of course, we've got to carry on to our next section anyway, too. And that's about the announcements. And Kyle... We might just need to bust through some of these here pretty quick because there was so you know, much. Yeah, honestly, the the next bit can almost be a quick announcement because there's not a lot to talk about there. At least there won't be until next week, I think. So yeah, let's let's bust some through some of these because uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we had uh, Returnal is uh, confirmed for PC release. Uh, we actually got a trailer and a look at Street Fighter Six, um, mostly for brand new characters. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, the one that blew our minds, though, was the Dead Cells Castlevania crossover. Uh, oh, heck yeah. Which look, it just threw me off. I was like, wait a minute. And then, of course, it just goes into fighting against Simon Belmont and then fighting against um, Alucard. And then it's like, oh, there's the and man there's himself. There's Dracula, yeah. yeah. Um, we got a shock here, too, especially, is that Hades 2 was announced as well. A sequel oh, man. to Hades. I, I was you know, that's, blown away. Yeah. Um, Ken Levine, uh, the creator of Bioshock, gets a has announced a new game called Judas, which actually kind of has looks to like being somewhere maybe in the Bioshock universe potentially. Sparked as much intrigue for me as when they first announced Bioshock because it, it set off all those System Shock vibes to me. So super excited about that one. Yeah, um, big thing I think for us though. Um, on this especially, though, in this next one, is uh, they had a new trailer, a uh, cinematic trailer for Suicide Squad, uh, Kill the Justice League, where they, uh, where it has been confirmed that Kevin Conroy, the late Kevin Conroy, uh, who recently pla- uh, passed away, who has been the voice of Batman since our childhoods, uh, this is his last role, actually, as Batman in anything whatsoever, which means that the last time we're going to hear Kevin Conroy in anything will be this game itself. So this is definitely the top of our lists for next year to play once it comes I out. hope it's good, honestly. Um, but as far as the, the pre-rendered video goes, um, God, they could almost make a, a whole movie out of just that, and I'd be happy, honestly. Same. Yeah, that would be really neat to see. 
Uh, but yeah, I had to make a very big mention about that one. Uh, we got a prequel for Bayonetta. Yeah, with very little fanfare from the audience. Um, but I mean, <laughs> exactly. I think that's partially because of controversy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Last of Us Part 1 is actually making its way to PC uh, in March. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order, um, is going to also release in March. And we did get an official gameplay trailer, which for me, one of the nice things that I like seeing was battle droids and uh, the uh, Trade Federation ships in the background in some of the combat scenes that they had in there, too. And it was actual gameplay, yeah. though, not just cutscenes, but gameplay. And like, man, go, I, just the thought of fighting against battle droids is going to be just awesome. Uh, we did get uh, an announcement for Death Stranding 2. Of all things, and God, I mean, you can watch that trailer, and you still have no idea what's going on. Like, even just, yeah, like, the first Death bizarre. Stranding trailer, yeah, it's, like, just makes no sense. Uh, new Nightingale uh, trailer has uh, shown more of the game, uh, too. Nightingale is the one where you can customize and create your own character. Uh, it's kind of set, like, in an 1800s style, but you don't... Uh, like, your objective, though, is to kind of get power back to these portal rings that are kind of spread all around, and, and you're meant to uh, craft and and build up resources and such and, uh, you know, work to survive and get your way around different areas. And it is a multiplayer game, though, too. Uh, Tekken 8 gameplay trailer. Man, this next year, if Tekken 8 also drops, too, it's going to be a big year for fighter games. Tekken and Street Fighter both dropping potentially this next year. Um, mm -hmm. Horizon Forbidden West Burning Shores DLC did get announced, so Aloy will be taking it over to the West Coast and actually going through Los Angeles. They had a scene... Uh, in the uh, the cinematic of her flying by the Hollywood sign and then that subsequently getting destroyed. So uh, that's kind of awesome. Uh, Diablo, 4 Diablo 4 got its release date announced Dude, as yes. another 666 as a 6-6 six, six and 2 times 3. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I caught so, on that. I'm glad I caught on to that, though. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so June 6, 2023 um, is, yeah, is when it comes out. And I got to say, like the new cinematic they actually had out for it, though, too, um, that's a game we're going to have to pick up and play through oh, as well. Yeah. I, I just, um, I hope they don't lean too much into the Diablo immortal, uh, play style, but God, I, that's a wait and see. Well, we played, we played the, uh, we played the, um, I know we can't talk much about it though, because I think we're still bound under, um, NDA about that in there. But of course we were in the, uh, the closed beta for, uh, Diablo 4 endgame stuff, you know, where there were voice lines missing. We had some textures that were missing and such, though, too. But that really felt like endgame stuff kind of had a vibe similar to Diablo Immortal. So I'm hoping, yeah, the mainline campaign quests and stuff don't fall into the same vein, like don't fall right. into the same headache and chaos. Uh, one curious one was Crash Team Rumble. Uh, it's a team versus team Crash Bandicoot game. And the way they introduced it was by having a guy... Uh, basically rappel down in the, the Crash Bandicoot suit. But part of me was kind of hoping, and I told you about this, Kyle, was that that we uh, we would have gotten, like, you know, classic Crash Bandicoot when he was, like, outside Nintendo's headquarters yelling at them, saying, you know, it's like, you know, do better, Nintendo, you know, all that other stuff. Yeah, but uh, Crash is a Nintendo ally, though, now, too, so. True, that's not wrong. <laughs> that's not wrong in any way, shape, or form. Um, besides that, though, we... Got let's see where am I here on the list? Company Heroes Three coming to PS5 and Xbox. Yep. Uh, from this is a big one, Kyle. I think oh, we yeah. freaked out of this. This is the one that I, as the trailer was going on, I texted you. Oh shit! Oh shit! Armored Core, and I knew it before the even like a minute before the even did the title splash screen. Um, yeah, yeah, total excitement. 
that was a big armored one core especially. six yeah armored core six fires of rubicon uh we got final fantasy 16's release date having been confirmed uh that will be releasing uh in june uh as an exclusive on playstation 5 june 22nd 2023 and it's going to stay exclusive until the at least the end of the year on playstation 5 so unfortunately that means for those of us on um xbox and pc we won't be able to touch it for a while uh cyberpunk 2077's phantom liberty dlc did show off some more details and it's going to star not only keanu reeves again but idris elba will be in there too and that actually is pretty neat to see him included in yeah that. i I, um, I don't know i'm kind of excited about that one so yeah um we got uh amazon and bandai namco are bringing a uh I guess this is an MMO that exists over in uh, Japan right now. It's called Blue Protocol. Uh, it's going to be coming out this next year. And that one actually does look pretty cool, though. Um, I, I like the animation. I like the uh, I liked the combat sequences in it and such. It's a very curious one, I guess, to get into and learn some of the lore about. But obviously... Me curious. Uh, like, obviously, because it's already released out there in Japan, it's been out there, it looks like, probably for some time. We could probably read up on it pretty well and actually find out more about it, though, too. Um, and then we're on the last two here on the list, which were very interesting surprises to me. Uh, first one yeah. here was 505 Games uh, revealed a game called uh, Crime Boss Rockay City. And this game, like, has Chuck Norris in it, Vanilla Ice, uh, Danny Trejo. Uh, who else was in this game that they announced, too? Let me bring up the list. Ice Cube, uh, no, not Ice Cube. Um, we have Vanilla Mike, Ice. We have uh, Michael Madsen, Chuck Norris, uh, Danny Trio, Kim Basinger, uh, Danny Glover, Michael Rooker, Damian Poiter, and Vanilla Ice. And yeah, uh, I'm honestly made me go five oh five. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and a lot but of people... I mean, if they pull it off, it looks like it'll be a first person Grand Theft Auto game potentially. That's about what I was seeing with it, though, too, is that that's kind of where it's falling into right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, th- I lost it when I saw Vanilla Ice on screen. I was like, <laughs> like I literally rolled my eyes and I was laughing just way too hard. Yeah. And then, of course, at the end, All of it's, a sudden, like, it's like Chuck Norris. It's like, oh, God. Really? Yeah, doing like some sort of spin kick. And they, they show Vanilla Ice. And for me, I just hear, go, Ninja, go, Ninja. And I'm just like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And then, of course, what really, really shocked me, though, especially because I've been pining for a new game like this for a long time, even though it didn't show anything other than cinematic, Transformers Reactivate. Uh, it's going to be a co-op action game from Splash Damage. And uh, Splash Damage, of course, is the team, I believe, behind like the Turing test. And we haven't seen a mainline Transformers game, at least in the sense of like an action game, since i think like fall of cybertron right it's been that long yeah since, it's it's but, been a while yeah. um yeah it, actually splash damage they are responsible for brink once upon a time so Ooh, kind wow. of uh yeah but they also did uh did have involvement with bat um trying to see if i can find their um maybe i was i was looking at someone else here um I don't know. Let me see here. Cause I, yeah, I'm trying to find a whole... There we go. There's their Wikipedia. Um, they did uh, Return to Castle Wolfenstein and Enemy Territory. Uh, the Doom 3 multiplayer Brink. 
but going forward, they did do the Batman Arkham Origins, was which was kind of overlooked in my opinion. Yeah. Um, no, they did, did have some lackluster, cast. no lackluster boss fights, but eh, it was still a pretty good game. And then they did do uh, the Gears of War Ultimate, um, Gears of War Four, and Gears of War Five multiplayer. And they so, worked on the Halo Master Chief Collection for PC as well. Mm-hmm. So they've got a pretty good, at least, like track record with working with Microsoft, at least. Um, yeah. But, yeah, okay, maybe I was reading someone else, and there's another developer that was in here that was uh, that did the Turing test that's working on something new that they had announced during the Game Awards, but I can't remember who it is now. So my mistake to making that um, mix up there, oh, of okay. course. But um, needless to say, that is it, though, on the uh, some of the announcements there for Game Awards. I'm sure there's probably a couple I missed, but I want to make mention of one thing before we move on to the next thing we got to talk about here. And it's funny because the next two things actually deal with Microsoft, and that's who I want to talk about, is that Microsoft, even though their presence at the Game Awards went, uh, you know, was was noticed, the fact that it took place in the Microsoft, um, like Microsoft Theater, and Phil Spencer was out there, Microsoft had zero games up on the actual nominations list for anything at all in um, uh, like in any of the categories whatsoever. Like at least in the sense of like first party like titles. And we already know that 2022 was a pretty light, if not lackluster year to be an Xbox gamer, at least as it relates to first party stuff, because we were still reeling with things with uh, Halo Infinite. Uh, Forza Horizon 5 was still doing just fine. Of course, we got the Hot Wheels update for that this year too. Um, But really there wasn't a lot that was like first party to Microsoft this year. And none of those games actually made it onto the list at all either. So it looks like next year might be their year instead. Hopefully. I mean, it, it's almost as if they, uh, they're relying on the fact that, you know, if their, their titles don't hit, they do have game pass to fall back on that. That's always going to bring pre- people to Xbox. But I mean, how long is that going to last? So true hopefully they do have a strong year next year because i mean they they do need something other than just game pass and cloud gaming the show each year um to to make an appearance um i mean granted that it gives them a stranglehold on the market which moves into our next topic but um they they gotta they gotta come up with with some sort of offering with their games they they gotta make make noise essentially Yeah. So I just wanted to at least make mention of that because that's been going around in the uh, news as well, though, too. And I feel like we've covered enough game awards, but we need to keep moving um, Mm -hmm. here on our news for this week. And Kyle, you could start talking about some of this, though. But the FTC has sued to block Microsoft from acquiring Activision Blizzard. So you actually have here in our news notes the link, uh, the official link from or official release from the Federal Trade Commission here in the United States regarding this. So can you talk a little bit about this then? Like, what do they go on to say? Yeah, so, of course, um, we all know that Sony has been uh, making waves, talking about, you know, make, making sure that everyone knows that Call of Duty is a major uh, property and whatnot. And, of course, uh, now the FTC is alleging that uh, Call of Duty uh, is a major part of the deal, uh, saying, citing that um, even though that they've they've made these ten year deals with both, uh, so well made the offer for a ten year deal to Sony and uh, basically have drawn up a contract for a ten year deal with Nintendo, who has not seen um, any sort of Call of Duty game 
um, for for many many years now, um, since actually the uh, Wii U, um, that it's not enough. Um, and specifically citing the uh, Bethesda ZeniMax deal, um, that by taking away games um, and not offering those games on other consoles upon release, or you know. Going forward, uh, restricting access to to games uh, based on any sort of uh, contract that they might have uh, with Microsoft going uh, going forward, um, and it also cites that they have a large stranglehold on the market because of the Series S and X and the cloud gaming aspect that. Um, basically alleges that it is monopoly be drawing a monopoly from more or less uh specifically call of duty but uh one of the largest uh producers of video games on the market hmm yeah, it even goes on here, like in the actual complaint, to say, like, the commission issues an administrative complaint when it has reason to believe that the law has been or is being violated, and it appears to the commission that a uh, proceeding is in the public interest. The issuance of the administrative complaint marks the beginning of a proceeding in which the allegations will be tried in a formal hearing before an administrative law judge. So effectively, they feel like what Microsoft's attempt here to do is to basically suppress all of it. And you brought up an excellent point, though, exactly as to, like, what happened there, and, and it's even made you know, comment here in the blog post as well, or their release that says Microsoft decided to make several of Bethesda's titles, including Starfield and Redfall, Microsoft exclusives, despite assurances it had given to European mm -hmm. antitrust authorities that it had no incentive to withhold games from rival consoles, which is true. They had one contract that Bethesda still had to fill for Deathloop going on to uh, PlayStation as a timed exclusive, but as well as uh, the uh, Ghostwire, but yeah. But I guess what's going to be interesting here is um, what kind of we're going to see in the next phases of this. This is not going to complete by June. Like, this is not I, I going to finish by June of this next year in no way. No. And honestly, a lot of sources are citing that uh, the deal, of course, this is uh, this is not a Microsoft, you know, parking their bike. Uh, this is the FTC suing them. They're not uh, blocking the deal entirely. There is still a chance for the deal to go through, but uh, sources are citing that it could be as far out as 2024 before we see any sort of deal complete, um, if it is able to be completed at this point. Uh, yeah. Of course, the uh, F the Federal Trade Commission did draw up the vote uh, as a three to one um, to uh, against Microsoft uh, to go ahead with proceedings. Um, but I mean, you you look at some of the waves that Sony has been making here in the last few weeks, um, essentially insulting um, their own games, insulting uh, EA's titles uh, by directly insulting Battlefield, uh, saying it's not as good as Call of Duty oh, yeah. and it'll never be oh, as yeah. good as Call of Duty, uh, insulting Nintendo as a company uh, by saying that they don't offer you know enough that that Call of Duty could even be on their system. But, I mean, the fact that, that Microsoft has drawn up a contract to actually work with Nintendo to put titles out um, on Nintendo when they haven't seen a Call of Duty, regardless of it's being a modern title that can work in conjunction with their, their current titles, 
or a uh, exclusive for Nintendo, which is a possibility yeah. too. No, um, that's but big... it also could bring Warzone to to Nintendo, which you think about it. There's a lot of adults that they can't necessarily afford a Steam Deck, and they can afford a a, a Switch. And because of of an adult lifestyle, carrying around a Switch is a lot easier for for an adult because it is the pick up and play game, and then you can come home, dock it, play for a few minutes, and then watch the news, and you go to bed. Um, so. No, that's actually a very excellent point about all of it, though, is that that stuff that's not even mentioned here is that is that Microsoft is trying to extend out an olive branch, um, you know, and trying to make sure that it's like some of these things are guaranteed. And the same goes for like what we've seen in other concessions as well, too, as it relates to a lot of this. We saw, of course, the talking points from uh, the UK's equivalent of the FTC and what they said were really more of the talking points that I guess Sony had put forward more than just their own thought process into the matter. So what's going to be interesting is to see exactly where Sony might have said anything to the FTC as well, based in their preliminary review of this before getting to this point. And I guess finding out more information through discovery and through the actual um, uh, presentation to the administrative law judge as time goes on through this, uh, excuse me, through this process. Least we not forget, though, too, um, at the beginning of the year, uh, Blizzard Activision King was actually shopping to be bought to essentially save the company from Bobby Kotick um, uh, amidst the, the scandal that we had covered all last year uh, with sexual allegations and the uh, quote-unquote Cosby room um, that that is frankly become a huge blemish on on Blizzard's um resume but eh, i don't know i i feel like th- this whole thing is doing more harm to the the fact that at one point we were looking at blizzard uh shuttering its doors potentially within a year because of the allegations so maybe the ftc needs to look at another standpoint on this uh, maybe there's other other outlets that we can look at to make it more fair, but I, I, I think there there are a lot of angles that are not being pursued or looked at at this point. Yeah, and that's about what I'm thinking, though, too. But that's why, of course, just like we always say, it's just a wait-and-see situation for us at this point in time. We've already seen what other regulators have said around the world. We've already seen where the approvals have been at. Um, of course, compared to a lot of them anyway, like even though they have to go through like 13 different regulators across the world to be able to get approval, uh, the harder hitting ones are going to be those in the EU and those in, and especially the one here in the United States being the FTC. Very much so. so. Without much those so. ones really signing off all of the others, it's going to be interesting to see, I guess, what else happens going forward. But a lot of that is just now in the starting phase. We're going to be seeing more information as time goes on. So we just, again, it's a wait and see thing. And of course, as it goes on, like we've already been doing, we'll report on it and we'll bring you guys the news as things become available. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, of course, let's move on here and uh, talk about some more Microsoft news. But this was not necessarily a surprise is that Xbox claims it's held off price rises as long as it could, but it's something had to give. So Microsoft will be joining Sony and raising game prices in 2023. Uh, so, uh, Phil Spencer 
uh, did an interview on the Second Request podcast. Uh, this is via Video Games Chronicle. And went and said, pricing is always something that we're conscious of and the impact it has on our customers. And there's multiple things that we can price in our platform. There's obviously the price of the consoles themselves, the price of the games, the price of the subscription. And just given our economic realities right now, something had to give in terms of us continuing to run the business with the increased cost basis that we had. So, of course, we already knew that back when the um, PlayStation 5 launched, uh, the uh, that uh, Take-Two's NBA 2K21 was going to be um, the first game that actually came out at a $70 price point for this generation. Um, and then, of course, every other company has now been starting to follow suit as well, though, too, except for Microsoft, at least as it relates to its first-party titles. And now we're going to be seeing that as the de facto price point going forward. Um and Spencer goes, Phil Spencer goes on to say, the thing that we decided to announce, we haven't raised any prices today because we just wanted to give consumers a heads up on what's going to come in the next year, is that for our largest AAA games, that the retail pricing would go from $60 to $70 in U.S. pricing, and we're in no way the first mover in this. In fact, other publishers, other platforms have already announced it and made that move. Um he goes on still to say, we had not, we had held off as long as we could, and we still like the fact that our subscription is at the price it's at. Our console with the Series S is the lowest price current-gen console in the market. And managing the business, the move we decided to make was on the retail pricing of our largest games. And it's really just the cost basis of building those games and ensuring we can run the business in the right way for our consumers. So this was already kind of a given. We already kind of expected this just like Phil Spencer alluded to anyway, is that other companies have already done this. Other companies have already been jumping mm -hmm. the price anyway. And just like I shared with you, Kyle is that there were advertisements back from the nineties showing the price of games when those released though, too, for things like the super Nintendo, the Nintendo 64, the PlayStation one that were ranging from like, you know, $50 all the way up to 75, $80 for just a single mainline, like triple a title. And Oh yeah. I guess really for our generation, that's not necessarily a surprise. Um, you know, it was for me because it's like when we're kids, we don't think about the price of games, you know. Um, you know, it's like we just know that we want these games and we'll do whatever we need to. We just don't think about that cost anyway. But nowadays, but being an adult, unfortunately, you take it a cost like in the account of every other thing that costs money. And it's like, oh, wow, $70 for a game. But then you compare it with everything else. It's like, okay, this, this was yeah. the next logical phase, unfortunately. It really wasn't until the uh, Dreamcast, like PS2, GameCube era, era that it seemed like games started to really level out in that $60 price point as being, you know, the, the actual price point. I mean, there was quite a bit of it during the later years of the early PlayStation, uh, but you saw it more so uh, fully level out in the PlayStation 2 era. So, I mean, a lot of our generation and... Some of the generation, you know, just, you know, five years or so after us has been really familiar with the $60 price point. But I mean, yeah, looking back into our youth, there were egregiously priced games. I remember uh, there were 64 games that were $80 brand new. Yeah, exactly. That's just what really gets to me is the idea of... Um... The, those price points and then we got so used to the $60 price point for games um, mm -hmm. I think that's been that way for the last several generations I think going back through like the original Xbox and PlayStation 2 all yeah, the way like up 20 through, years now yeah and so for it to take that price increase or for it to stay as steady as as long as it did and for it to get to that price now you know it's like okay 
something else had to give. I, I expect Game Pass to actually go up in price sometime here in the near future uh, to at least $20 for the base, like Game Pass Ultimate. Uh, that's got to be coming down the line, especially, though, too. But fortunately, we don't have to well, worry about maybe, that part. Yet. I mean, Microsoft does but, say that they really like the price point that they they offer their current services at. And I think part of it is uh-huh. because they offer that price point for their their services and the fact that all their first party titles are on that service i to True. to not increase the the price when other uh companies are increasing the price of their first party titles and i mean including some sports titles that shouldn't increase the price are um i mean they've got to make money somewhere on it besides just memberships so yeah, I I could see it having to give a little bit there in order yeah. to continue that that lower price point for for their um ongoing cloud service slash you know free game service essentially. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I guess we'll have to see if they could potentially go down that way. It just makes sense to me that they would end up doing that as the next phase on things. Like that, we already know that it's like hardware prices are probably going to go up at some point, but it seems like software right. services are easier to increase the prices on than it is hardware potentially. Oh uh, yeah, but yeah, I I don't know. I, I'm not in that side of the business or or in that world. But well, and you also have to take into consideration the economy. I mean the 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 fact that other other companies have raised the price and and Microsoft hasn't at this point when when PlayStation did it, you know, right out the gate. And that was like during the pandemic. So it was, yeah. it was a big, you know, just stab in the gut for, for PlayStation to do that. So, I mean, it's a little bit easier, I think, for Microsoft to do it now because they did continue to hold those prices early on. So, I right. mean, at least they're making a show that, you know, things are going up in price and we kind of got to follow suit. We don't want to, but we're only doing it in this one area. Yeah, no kidding. At least for now. Exactly, exactly. But um, yeah, those price points, of course, are going to go up here this next year. Uh, no time frame on exactly when that's going to happen, but most like fiscal years usually roll over sometime around like the February March time period. So I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. to see that as more of like a rollover to the next fiscal year for Microsoft. So maybe April or whenever Starfield is supposed to actually launch, that'll probably be Starfield <laughs> and Redfall will probably be the first ones at the seventy dollar price point. So yeah, wouldn't be a shock to me. Uh, But let's move on to our last story in the news here, and this one's kind of a funny one anyway. The Callisto Protocol director blames launch issues uh, on a damn clerical error. So this article comes to us from Kotaku, and uh, uh, there's a tweet that went out here um, from the the, uh, director of uh, Callisto Protocol, uh, Glenn Schofield, who said, who was replying to another tweet that said, no, it's an unoptimized mess, sadly, stutters every few seconds, even on high-end PCs. And he goes on to say, being fixed, a wrong file was patched any minute, uh, just freaking error by someone rushing. Um, and so Kotaku, of course, goes on to outline this a little bit here. Rushing brings to mind Schofield's previous admission about him and his team working extreme overtime, uh, and in quotes here, exhaustion, tired, COVID, but we're working. He said, lunch, dinner, working, you do it because you love it. About what she later apologized to employees for glorifying such practices. Yet Schofield's Twitter trolls seem to be calling for more of it, demanding fast fixes and their money back. Um, so it looks like apparently what happened is uh, that um, a wrong file was patched, though, um, which actually led to more performance or uh, PC performance and bugs and issues that 
a lot of people, you know, are really upset about. Kyle, I mean, you played Callisto Protocol for under the two-hour time period and ended up triggering a return through Steam for it. Um, I mean, now mm-hmm. that it looks like maybe they have fixed it, I don't think I've heard much news as of late of problems still with Callisto Protocol. But are you going to go and re-download it again? Are you going to hold off and wait maybe for a little while longer to let things settle, similar to Cyberpunk? Or I, I don't know. What's your take? So I, I think the uh, clerical error is a poor excuse. Um, personally, uh, the the fact that it, it stuttered so bad on release uh, and the fact that it took them, um, I mean, over 48 hours to fix it. Um, and maybe I'm being a little, you know, bit of a stickler, I guess. But, uh, I mean, there's also the fact that they had a review embargo that didn't lift until literally hours before the game went live. Um, that that always speaks negatively of something. And... I, I don't know. I, I also felt a little burned by the fact that I had the day one in my cart. Um, I was literally a minute and a half late in, in running the my purchase, and I didn't even get the day one content for purchasing the $89 version. Um, and yeah, just the, the egregious stutters. It Even with motion blur off and turning off the, the V-Sync and you know doing all the, the things that they say or they said... Uh, could fix the the potential issue. Um, I don't get motion sick in games, but it almost had me bending over my trash can next to my desk. Um, the the stutters were so bad, and just it, it, the movement was so nauseating. Yeah, and maybe that's just part of the the idea here, though. Too, of course, is that Callisto Protocol is the uh, brainchild and developed by uh, former Dead Space developers, um, you know, kind of trying to bring some of that original uh, feeling back, given, of course, we got the Dead Space uh, remake on its way here soon, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm looking at Steam right now, and it's currently sitting at a review of Mixed, at least based on all of the reviews that it's got, showing 59% of the 16,316 user reviews for this game are positive. So that means at least that there's been some bump there, but yeah. I can say when I triggered my uh, my refund, um, sitting out at two days out, um, it was still sitting at mostly negative on Steam when, when I had done that. And that, that went from uh, being very positive right at the moment of release to almost immediately mostly negative. Um, and... Of course, you know, I was still installing it. I was like, whatever, I'm still going to play it. I was really excited. Didn't even care about the fact that I was already hearing that it was a linear um, playthrough, you know, very linear story. I didn't mind. I, I knew what kind of game I was getting into, but just the egregious errors on release and the fact that they had the, the review embargo that prevented any um, any reviewers talking about the issues that some people did have PC copies and a lot of reviewers had PS5 copies. Those were the problematic ones. The Xbox version, I guess, didn't have much of an issue, but even PS5 had some of the stutters, and the reviewers couldn't talk about it until hours before release. So, mm-hmm. it, yeah, I, I don't know. Buyer beware, um, especially in this instance. Um, but I, I don't know what uh, what else to say at, at this point. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I want to give this game a try. I want to give this one a little bit of 
time to actually work its way through like the like the time period for additional patches and other fixes and such though too because mm-hmm. I don't have a PC as powerful as yours. I do have the Series X, but um I I, I don't know still like if I'd go and pick something up like this at least at the at the current environment that it's in right now. Um I want to give it some more time and kind of let it sit there and get some of those additional fixes similar to Cyberpunk before I go and pick it up. Just because right. I, and I don't want to go and invest money into something that I can't play because it's in a bad state. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I'm I'm still gonna go back and pick it up. I I've liked what little gameplay I did have. I I don't know that I necessarily cared for the main character, but I mean, I guess the combat does get better. It it has kind of a weird flow at first because it is a lot of melee combat and it's more of a tit for tat thing. You know, you attack them, you kind of gotta dodge and a few times and then attack them again. So, um, but I mean, once you get into the gameplay flow and the story, I guess is really good. So I, I mean, I am excited about the, the aspect of still potentially playing it, but not in its current state and not, not for that price point after being burned so bad. Yeah. I'm because of your experience with it, I'm just going to hold off on it for a little while longer and just wait until it actually does, uh, you know, does kind of settle itself down, at least on fixes and such. Um, But even with that said, that kind of brings us to the next part here, which should be the quest markers. But because we've eaten up all of that time tonight, though, talking about things with the Game Awards, uh, there are no quest markers for tonight. So where that kind of brings us to then is sadly the end of the uh, weekly news roundup, of course, though. So, yeah, that is it. We have kept you guys around here for almost an hour and a half. And, of course, the music just died on me again. Thanks, Obama. Uh, There we go. (laughs) I don't know why it keeps doing that. It's done that the last couple times, too. But needless to say, that is it, though. Like I said, for the Weekly News Roundup for December 9th, 2022. So thank you so much for joining us here on YouTube, of course, to catch up on all the news this week in the gaming universe. Be sure, of course, to catch us on our podcast platform, though, to anchor.fm slash the dash slash podcast for not only the audio for this episode, but all of the other episodes that we've put out, not only for news, but other content we've had going across the last three and a half years. Uh, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform of choice, whether it be on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify. We are on plenty of them. Our Anchor.fm page has links to all of the platforms we are supported on. Follow us on social media, and of course, follow us here on YouTube by hitting that subscribe button and notification bell. With all of that said, though, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to this week's roundup. We will catch you all next week. Bye-bye.